0: Hi, I'm Hattie Sweet. You're listening to my parents on Beyond Conception.
1: Welcome to Beyond Conception. You are listening to your host, Shalmika Sweet, and Hattie's daddy. Desmond Sweet. And we are here to provide you of your weekly dose of faith, hope, love, and laughter as we talk about our journey of infertility and assisting you on your journey. Well, and who, having go, who gonna stuff. give me my weekly dose, I hope? I know, I know, it's been a rough week. My well, my hope, love, laughter Who going to give it to me this week? Well. I know babe, it's been a rough week But before I get to that, because we're going to talk about that today right. And um, I just want to again, thank you for listening Out of all the podcasts in the world You have taken the moment to listen to us Yes. And for that, we don't take it for granted Not at all So don't forget, if you haven't already, you're listening But if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and click the subscribe button give us a rating. Preferably a five if you want to, but it's just a nice suggestion. If you want to. (laughs) Well, yeah. If you ain't got a five, keep it in your pocket. No! (laughs) But, Mm. also what? If you ain't
0: got a five, keep it in your pocket.
1: Okay. But then also you can follow us on Instagram. Take
0: that four and show it to the door.
1: Okay. You can follow us on Instagram. Take that three (laughs) and you won't find me. (laughs) See, we're already getting the laughter. But, again, you can follow us take on... Take that, and, too! <laughs> and what?
0: What? You ain't got a rhyme? I got a rhyme, but it may not be politically correct. Oh, okay. Just know it ends with your yoo Okay. <laughs> ah, take that one!
1: All right, I'm done. Okay, thank you. As I was saying, you can follow us on Instagram at BBE underscore Conception. So let's dive into it, Mr. Sweet. Let's go. Today we are talking about love. hmm um, because there's so many things I've got okay. to oh. <laughs> okay. yes, I, tell you.
0: But I'm afraid I don't oh, no. know no how. Oh, that's a no. Because a possibility that you look at all right okay,
1: anyway. So, so we're talking about love. Because love is essential. It's fundamental to a marriage, to a relationship. And as believers, we know it is the essence of our faith. It is the fabric of who we are, is love. Um, But it has been, as you mentioned earlier, it's been a difficult week. I mean, with everything going on in the world, not even COVID-19. And of course, we've been having love for those that have lost their lives to it or have been impacted. We know people directly who have been impacted by COVID-19 and coming through that. But it's just looking at this history. And I don't even want to say repeating itself. I think it's a continuum. It's a continuation of what has always been happening that we are aware of as black um, Americans in this country that unfortunately we've suffered so many disparities through the years. The systemic
0: racism that is taking place, yeah, from people of power.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Whether it is power that has been given or power that is self-proclaimed, because of what society has allowed, is at a bubbling point now to where it is causing such a level of frustration because. Yeah. Regrettably, the things that we have been taught to run to and taught to do Mm -hmm. are now being challenged as we as a people become more intellectual as we become more. Savvy as we become more aware. And we have more
1: financial abort mobility. Mm -hmm. We live in nicer communities. Mm -hmm. Um, We are able to have access to places and spaces that our grandparents Mm -hmm. just two generations ago because of segregation and Jim Crow laws, sharecropping, everything else, they didn't have that um, accessibility Mm -hmm. that we have now. And whether it be through social media as you're listening to this podcast um, we have a space to talk um, where they didn't mm-hmm. and even why I wanted to highlight you know just talking about infertility because people are suffering in silence but our community there is Our voices, we want to be heard because of the silent treatment, like you said, that systemic racism that's going on that people think because we overcame or have overcome because of the works of Dr. King and the Mm -hmm. civil rights and other activists through the years. It's like, Mm -hmm. y'all, you got affirmative action now. What's the problem? Mm -hmm. It's like, there is a problem. If you don't know the problem, mm
0: -hmm. you're part of it. And the reality is there are things like this that are happening all the time. And as much as we want it to stop, it is not. It's not. And so today we wanted to take a moment and kind of talk about those outside influences yeah. and how they find a way to wiggle into your home like a rat. Like there's yeah. no bones in a rat. All they got to do is get the head in and whatever the head fits through, the body follows.
1: Yeah. And I and I want to be clear because no, you're not listening to CNN or any other right. political podcasting stations, but, you know, we feel that... Um, It's part of just our life, and we're having raw conversations on this podcast. Mm -hmm. What you get is what you get, Mm -hmm. and we're talking about things that impact us, yes, directly through infertility, and we're going to get to that in a moment, because even in love and infertility is how do you build up each other, Mm -hmm. and how do you keep the love alive in your relationship as you are on this quest for parenthood right because Um,
0: the steps that you take in order to hopefully conceive are intentional steps yeah um but the same intentionality or even more should be employed as it relates to you and your loved one
1: i agree i agree and then not only that especially if you are listening and you are a person of color um whether be african-american to Um, Asian American to Native American to Latino American, whatever um, person of color that you identify with, Mm -hmm. Um, just in my experience, and again, like I said, from episode one, I can talk about the black issue because I'm a black woman Mm -hmm. and I can only give my insights from my perspective because of my experiences that I've had in this journey. And in this journey I didn't have representation where there'd be doctors mm-hmm. that look like me that could assist me in this journey. Yeah. And or and don't get it twisted, they're out there. It's yeah. just that the doctors that I went to right. and it could be location. We don't live in Atlanta, right. we live in yeah, Phoenix. You gotta go so searching. yeah. So the type of specialists that you want to see, of course, may be more vast. In another city that's predominantly not, black. Not
0: only that, when you're looking up ratings, when you're looking up reviews, yeah. the doctors that are gonna surface to the top are the doctors that are getting the most play and the most recognition mm-hmm. and in our society and in Arizona, that is typically Yeah, it's, especially in infertility. Yeah, your white male doctor.
1: Your white male doctor, absolutely. And then um just the clientele. You know, we sat in many of waiting rooms. <laughs> in many spaces and we were the only and we're talking about years we're not talking about a one month period Uh but we're talking about going to the same doctor or multiple doctors over a nine-year period and i can maybe count maybe two other black couples that i may have seen which were towards the latter part of our journey yeah um but we were the only ones and that's why i even spoke on in episode what was it four when i came around the corner and the lady was telling my business that i had just had this miscarriage Mm -hmm. and i was livid inside but i felt muzzled that i couldn't go off yeah, because then i would be labeled as the angry black woman not a woman who was emotional because she just lost her baby you know my embryo wasn't fully developed and i couldn't process it so i had to save face and be the strong black woman which can be burdensome because we nobody is superman no one is superwoman Mm -hmm. and we have to let that out and i'm wondering is that some of those
0: question starters and the rationale and again we're not we're, we're not looking to over racialize um, our experience. Some of this experience is going to be fluid no matter what your ethnic background is. But it's not but even over. I, but, but, but as I talk to other people who struggle with infertility, they're never asked questions like, what well, do you want a baby? Mm-hmm. And so my question is this, mm-hmm. why were we asked questions like this? You know, mm-hmm. when we deal with things like uh, the George Floyd situation that happened literally a few days ago, we are forced to then rewind these things in our brain. Mm -hmm. And society says, well, you're just making an issue out of nothing. It's really not what it is. And it's like, no, there has to be something there.
1: It is something there. It is something there. It is racism. It's microaggressions. It is aggression. Mm -hmm. It's discriminatory practices. And I think that people do these things sometimes not even realizing they're doing it because they're so embedded in it, right? It is just second nature to exhibit certain behaviors or have certain thought processes until you are enlightened through someone calling something out. Um, There is this part of our personality that's talked about in psychology of the Jahari window. And there are things in our window that we see and it's things that are in our blind sight or in our blind window it's it's something that we don't see but other people see it in us and it's like well you act like this and you're like no I don't but like my grandma said one person calling you a lie you may not be a lie but if multiple people are saying you are a liar then you're probably a liar mm-hmm. and so sometimes it takes those blind spots those blind areas that we don't see we're oblivious to and this is not justifying it's trying to give understanding because all week we've been trying to process yeah
2: a yeah.
1: lot of things And so it's not giving justification to behavior. It's trying to help understand the behavior. And like Maya Angelou said, when you know better, hopefully you will do better. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people don't. Mm -hmm. Will people change their biases? Mm -hmm. No, not everybody will.
0: And what I've learned is that you really understand the heart of a person when you are put in a space of vulnerability. When you're in a vulnerable space and you need someone for one reason or another, that spot of necessity Mm -hmm. and the other person having the ability to help you will truly reveal who they are. Mm. And as you are looking to conceive a child, you are put in such a vulnerable space that you don't necessarily have the mental forethought to try to be picky Mm -hmm. it's almost like you needing a heart transplant and Mm -hmm. then you want to say oh well i only want to get a heart transplant from a person of this color yeah you know the reality is Mm -hmm. because you're in such a vulnerable space yeah you want to get help from anybody who's willing to help yeah but then the antithesis of that is the person who has the capacity and the ability to help are now seated in a place of power. Uh And so then that space of power Uh lends itself for abuse, for racism, Uh for condescending conversation, for subtle jabs here and there to take place. It's the same thing that happens when you're pulled over Mm -hmm. because you've ran a red light, Mm -hmm. you're pulled over because you didn't see the stop sign Mm -hmm. once you are put in that spot to where one person has the power because they have the ability to help you Mm -hmm. or penalize you or Mm -hmm. do these things and then they don't, Mm -hmm. then you can see really what the heart of a person really is
1: well let me talk about that as you were saying that I thought about that one instance I had with um, that doctor that did my surgery to remove that tissue in my uterus or that septate uterus mm-hmm. so we have been going to him about this time almost two years mm-hmm. and so let which me... is the
0: same doctor that advises us of the
1: miscarriage yeah the same doctor that advised us of the initial miscarriage and so at this point I um... oh my gosh I've been getting so emotional lately about <laughs> trying not to get emotional again but <clears throat> at this point he had said um, basically there's nothing more that I can do for you Mm -hmm. that was our last conversation with him Mm -hmm. but what led up to that was after he did the surgery Mm -hmm. remember my after you have that surgery they put a balloon inside of you mm-hmm. to keep your uterus from collapsing mm-hmm. and to make sure that space stays open mm-hmm. so that way it doesn't reform. It open yeah, open like a womb like, should. Like a, yeah, like a oh. womb should be a full cavity so mm-hmm. it doesn't go back to its deformity. Well, it was like the next day after my surgery
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was using the bathroom mm-hmm. and we have bought this special seat and all that that you had to get for the toilet mm-hmm. and the balloon falls out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're at work I'm freaking out because mm-hmm. I was supposed to have the balloon in for like five or six days. And then and, they would remove it. And they would remove it. Was it was never supposed it to come out on its own. It was never supposed to come out on its own. So this is that highfalutin, really yeah, yeah, um, yeah. sophisticated, aristocratic, just bougie, <laughs> posh. Room. Yeah. I mean, they're giving you water. I mean, it was just really catered to high clientele. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm freaking out. So you're at work. I called you. You couldn't leave immediately. I called the doctor, letting them know what's going on. And they thought that I was being paranoid. They're mm-hmm. like, you will find. your are I'm like, no, I'm not. The doctor told me mm-hmm. that I have to have this balloon inside of mm-hmm. me for at least mm-hmm. six days or whatever for it to heal. Mm-hmm. I demanded to come in, even in my demand to come in. Mm-hmm they minimize my pain. Mm -hmm. And we know that with African-American women, Mm -hmm. there's a plethora of now research starting to show that women of color Mm -hmm. have higher death rates in dealing with just delivering a baby and even not being hurt. Mm -hmm. And I can go down the line of my journey, even through infertility, all the way through pregnancy and postpartum to where doctors dismissed Mm -hmm. my feelings of how I felt about my body. So the balloon came out the doctor agreed to see me. He, the doctor that did my surgery was out of the office. His um, partner was there. Yep. And so I called your mom and dad, and they agreed to take me because I couldn't drive because I had just had a vaginal surgery. And you know, you keep, they don't want you operating a vehicle so mm-hmm. that way you can heal. Mm-hmm. So they drive me up there, and I'm freaking out. We get to the doctor's office, and I wanted him, I'm explaining everything to him. He's literally sitting there looking unbothered. Mm-hmm hands folded a white guy Mm -hmm. and he's telling me you're fine and i'm like i'm not fine in my head i know i'm not fine and i said can you check me can you examine me and he tells me well at this point there's nothing that we should examine um come back in next week when you're supposed to meet with your doctor anyway i'm sure you'll be okay and he was very dismissive of it and i left and in the back of my head, I left, I felt unheard, I yep. was sad, I yep. felt that it wasn't it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So we left, we go back to the doctor to find out, basically, and I'm making a long story short.
0: We that, go back at the point you are regularly supposed to yeah, go back, back to check on
1: mm-hmm. what
0: the cavity looked like, mm-hmm. the success of the surgery. And We're going back at a typical follow-up that should happen after mm-hmm the removal of a septate uterus surgery. Right.
1: So I thought that, you know, everything was fine. He went on thinking everything was fine mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and come, I'm to at this find, appointment. come to find out my cavity had reclosed uh-huh. and my womb, the doctor even said it had looked like it had never had the surgery.
0: And says that this was an unexplainable thing
1: unexplainable and I'm like well my balloon fell out and I told y'all that my balloon fell out but it had nothing to do with it it had nothing to do with it so he starts going down the line of what he recommends at this point and I tell him I am not doing that Mm -hmm. you remember that And he turned and he looked at me Mm -hmm. and he said, you're not doing that. I said, no. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not doing I said, you know what? I've done everything you have asked me to do. Mm -hmm. You wanted me to lose weight. You wanted me, because that was another doctor. Two Mm -hmm. doctors wanted me to lose weight. And so Mm -hmm. this one did too. I've lost weight. I have changed my diet. I have had this surgery. Mm -hmm. You have poked on me. You have pricked on me. You have cut me. You have drawn blood from me. Everything else from me
0: by this time he's getting red he's
1: getting red and i'm just going through the line i said i came around the corner and your nurse is telling everybody in the opera in the um staffing area that i had a miscarriage your staff is rude to me remember they would get my appointments mixed up Mm -hmm. then they would underbill me and then overbill me it was like a billing issue and then i would go to pay because every time we showed up i had the money Mm -hmm. it would money wasn't an issue it was like well you still owe us i said i've had all these issues while i've been at this practice Mm -hmm. and i haven't said anything and i finally let him have it in a polite way Mm -hmm. and he tells me what did he say mrs sweet you're being disrespectful no he said i think you're just looking to be argumentative. yeah i think oh yes you're right he did he said i think you're just looking to be argumentative and i'm not gonna say his name and i said dr bleep i said the author. of you to say that, mm-hmm. I said after everything because that I've been through, really
0: shift my tone, my tone was just like I mm-hmm. have it
1: right now. Mm-hmm. I said I have done everything you have asked me to do, and you're telling me I want to be argumentative. Mm-hmm. I said I'm not being argumentative. I am just venting my frustration. I've had a major surgery on my journey to have a baby, mm-hmm. and you are telling me that I'm being argue. Oh, it was. We went there in that appointment, and that was my last conversation with him. Long story short. I asked for all of my medical records Mm -hmm. and at that time they owed us a difference of like $250. It was something going on with the billing and they owed us money and we weren't trying to really push the issue. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I was like, I want my money too. Mm -hmm. And so they credit that money back as well and gave us that refund and our records. But I was just so disturbed. Let's talk
0: about about that frustration and how God showed favor. Mm Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, first of all, that front office was a hot
1: mess. A hot mess. Even though they were high fluid, they did not have, their organizational skills were out the door. Yes,
0: and I am yet to, well, I've had a couple doctor's offices that had pretty stand-up front offices. But for the most part, front offices and doctor's offices are a hot mess. Mm -hmm. It's like the best doctor has the worst staff. Yeah. So as we are in that flux, the lady who came and talked to us was the new office manager. Mm -hmm. And so she was kind of brand new to the situation, but she knew it was a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And she understood our perspective and she actually waived Mm -hmm. whatever additional fees were going to be charged from that current visit. Mm -hmm. So that's favor that was shown in that particular issue and where God showed his hand there. But the reality was, everything that you talked about, I feel would have been looked differently if someone else was making that request. Because like you said, Mm -hmm. from the time that we were gone through this big secret that America likes to hold called slavery, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: we were always expected to endure more, to take more, to the fact to where we were considered Beings that did not experience pain Mm -hmm. the way that your average human would experience
2: pain. Mm -hmm.
0: Our women had to develop a certain muscle to carry heavier items than your average woman. And for that, our bodies were shaped and contoured differently. And we didn't want to
1: do it. Let's be clear. Right. We didn't sign up for this. We didn't sign up for this. Not at all. Oh. And so even in that, we watch the progression of time,
0: but we watch that same mentality of we don't endure pain like mm-hmm. the same person. Mm-hmm. And it crosses over into sports. Mm. Look at how our players are getting injured and expected to return back at an alarming rate mm. that white players get injured and are not as bashed in media Mm -hmm. for being a quote-unquote coward or for being a quote-unquote mentally weak individual. But we're expected to go in the back, take the needle, as they call it, Mm -hmm. and come in and take another hit.
1: Well, let's talk about how when we got... Oh, go ahead. And the same thing, Mm -hmm. and
0: I've heard this from Mm -hmm. uh, 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 my man D.L. Hughley, Mm -hmm. the same thing that you cheer... And you celebrate on Sunday, Mm. our strength, our ability to hit, our ferocious power Mm -hmm. is the same thing that intimidates you Mm -hmm. on Monday and causes you to want to put a knee on our neck Mm -hmm. so that you could feel safe.
1: Right. And me as a patient, just trying to vent my experiences that I've been holding inside Mm -hmm. because as a black woman and not seeing other women. In the doctor's office, I didn't want to be labeled. But then at the end of the day, he tried to label me and say, oh, you're trying to be argumentative. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm not being argumentative. I have a right. You're just not going to keep cutting on me and making decisions about my body and me just laying there taking it. And I came to you and let you know that your process was flawed. Your balloon came out and now my uterus is back to ground zero and it's looking worse than what it did before, you know? So I was frustrated and for him not to take that, I almost thought about my client. Remember I had that one client, he kept saying, Mrs. Sweet, I'm so frustrated. I'm frustrated and I would be so weak, but I was frustrated Mm -hmm. to the point I was in tears at this point, I was in tears. And I just couldn't believe that through everything, me following his request, paying him all this money, it's just being frustrated in the situation. Now I remember as you were just talking a few minutes ago, I remember when we, this is years down the line later, Mm -hmm. but um, just recently, 2013, Mm -hmm. when we, well a few years ago, that we're pregnant with Hattie and we were going to this one doctor Mm -hmm. and we go in his office for our first prenatal visit to right. interview him as a doctor. We sit in his right. office. We look up above his head and what sign did we see? It just says slave. Slave. So he's talking uh-huh. and I'm like nudging you. Yeah. Because he stepped out because as he's talking we're both like looking and I'm like nudging you and we were like slave. He got the word
0: slave like it had been worked out by a woodworker. Yeah. And it's
1: sitting on his bookshelf. So he left. Remember he had to go do something. He walked out of his office and I'm like Desi. So you see that he said, yes, slave. What the heck? What does that mean? So I asked him about it. So when he came back in, we were like, we're going to ask this doctor. Why do you have the word slave above Mm -hmm. you? Now, he gave us some bogus. I don't believe it. He went on on to say
0: (laughs) that his father taught him hard work. And he has that word sitting on his bookshelf in order to remind him that it is his responsibility to work hard each and every day that he works with his clients, and I said, <laughs> "I'm disgusted. That's just hard for me to digest."
1: Right, because we know how hard slaves worked. I mean, they yeah. were killed
0: I said, <laughs> in I,
1: working hard. I,
0: I said, "I said, is this the first year?" being asked about this? like, mm-hmm. Am I right. Am I losing it? Because when we
1: asked him, he... But it wasn't
0: the first time, because he kind of rattled off an answer that he was kind of used to giving.
1: Yeah, but it's not culturally appropriate. Not at all. That's at like, all. he needs a cultural appro- uh, appreciation course. Not or what is that m- called?
0: Not to mention... <laughs>
1: cultural sensitivity. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention, we talked,
0: um, and we had a conversation before we went to that doctor's appointment, And we had read blogs and we had looked up, you know, as we had started our birthing plan.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And we wanted to really begin talking with the doctor about our birthing plan, what was their mindset and their practices Mm -hmm. about uh, C-section as it relates to. Uh, natural vaginal births and... well let me
1: stop you right there because I had done my research what? on the disparities of women of color in childbirth and so I was truly really trying to go for a natural I would love to have done a home birth right. but to try to appease your feelings right. and we'll get into our journey about that later and how that ended up so we found this doctor right. and so in finding him and going to have that first initial prenatal appointment and to discuss a birthing plan and all that type of stuff he even starts saying well we're too early in the process he was unwilling
0: to discuss to it. Talk.
1: he's like i'm not going to talk about a birthing and plan." and i
0: said i said so you're not willing to tell me about your record of practice and how many women that you have had uh, the section c-section a c-section versus vaginal, vaginal birth boy? right because to me the numbers will prove your theory yeah and yeah. he was basically, we are too early in the game to even cover that and talk about that. And so then I have to back up mm-hmm. and say, would the conversation be the same
2: mm-hmm.
0: if he was sitting across the table from another white male?
2: Yeah.
1: And so... Long story short, y'all, we did not... He was not our doctor. We left him after that appointment because we didn't like the whole slave thing and it was just other things that we weren't comfortable with. And then I decided to just to go onto another route. I felt that it was oxymoronic for me to go to a male OBGYN who had Mm -hmm. never experienced carrying a baby in the sense, or just being a woman or understanding women's issues. So Mm -hmm. I said, I need to find a female practitioner, which I later did. But... You know, we have to talk about those things because, unfortunately, those are our realities. Mm-hmm. And for you to tell somebody that your reality isn't true, shame on you. Yeah. Because you're minimizing their pain. You're minimizing what they experience. And yeah. everybody's experience is different. Yeah. But at the same time, it's their experience.
0: And, 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 and here's my deal. If you were to deal with, let's say, someone who was addicted to any drug, and that was a difficult time in their life and they tell you every time you do x Mm -hmm. it causes me to be triggered and i want to use drugs again Mm -hmm. if i have a working professional relationship with this person i am going to do whatever it takes to be cognizant Mm
2: -hmm. of
0: what may drive them back in that direction Mm -hmm. so as far as a doctor is concerned, mm-hmm. and if talking about cultural sensitivity is one thing, yeah. and I'm telling you that I already come in here with this viewpoint because of what has been the experience of my people since 1619. Oh my God. Then you ought to do what it takes mm. if it is just doing this or if it is just doing that or if it is removing this from the conversation. You ought to be willing to do that to ensure that I am going to be comfortable with my experience Mm -hmm. and choosing you as my medical provider. Mm -hmm. So I said all of that to say this. Mm -hmm. Those of you who are in the space and choosing doctors to help you with your journey, learn more about your doctor and don't feel like just because the doctor has 516 great reviews, Mm -hmm. that that is the right doctor for you. That's right make sure that you are going and you are sitting across the table from someone who respects you yes who gets you who understands you mm-hmm. um when we finally got to dr johnson Mark who johnson. was an amazing doctor
2: mm-hmm.
0: he was a white male
2: mm-hmm.
0: but there were so many pieces of that conversation mm-hmm. where he showed relatability
1: and only that He allowed me, remember our first appointment with him? When Uh I sat down in his office, Uh we were maybe two minutes into the conversation, and I'm just starting to cry. Yeah. I'm crying. He didn't act like he was such in a hurry to leave. He pushed me some tissue Uh and he put down his pen, took off his glasses, and waited for me. Uh He allowed me to express myself.
0: And when he simply did that, Uh He gave me a level of comfort to put my arm around you mm-hmm. for us to take a deep breath and then walk forward. Mm-hmm. He showed more empathy in his silence yeah, yeah, than so many other doctors did doing a whole bunch of talking.
1: And it wasn't that I was at my wit's end. He was like the last resort. And of course, we put our hope in God, but... It, As we were trying to find these other modalities of treatment, Mm -hmm. you know, we were going to him and um, he even shared his story that part of the reason why he does what he does is because he and his wife had suffered from infertility. But we
0: but we didn't learn that until we asked about it.
1: Yeah. We had been to his office yeah. three or four times
0: true. and we heard it in his weight music. That's true. That he and his wife that's had sung so true. and we were like Dr. Johnson. Yeah
1: we were like you? Wait a minute. Y'all And he this? just
0: gave that little snicker that he his always gives. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so yeah he had that a part of his packaging a part of his commercial part of his whole I'm here for and you let's that make that, this happen. That's
0: why that empathy came so naturally. Yeah. So I'm going to say that the answer is not maybe always finding a black doctor.
1: Well, yeah, and it's good. I like to represent and to have people Absolutely. that we support Absolutely. our color. Absolutely. And especially if you can find people that look... Because sometimes representation is important to know that somebody who looks like me that can be a benefit to you but you want to get that human base you want somebody
0: who is willing to embrace it from your perspective yes yes that's the big thing yeah and that's the main conversation that we're having even around race Mm -hmm. if the black folks could fix this by ourselves oh my gosh
1: we would have fixed it oh what but we need allies we need allies we need allies and for you to say that it's not our issue, it's a black issue, and particularly for these people who talk about they don't see color. That, I have you, a problem with that. And when you
0: change the channel or when you just scroll through your social media feed and treat it as if it doesn't
1: happen, you are guilty for nothing. Well, Dr. King says that silence makes you, you know, it, it's being part of that guilty party. You just choose to do nothing. You just, Because silence is a choice, too. Yeah. If you choose to speak, that's a choice. And if you choose to be silent, that's a choice too. And sometimes our silence can be compliant of what's going on. So we have to, in our being compliant of this, we can't allow it to become complacency and to have the Mm -hmm. status quo of what's happening.
0: I'm going to say it like one of my leaders used to say Mm -hmm. Your silence gives passive permission.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: To continue. Let it continue. Mm -hmm. Your silence gives. And you ain't got to say nothing on Instagram. You ain't got to say nothing on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But when the opportunity presents itself Mm -hmm. for you to speak truth or for you to leave a nugget of a perspective that someone may hear from you, Mm -hmm. that they would never even entertain hearing from me. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility as a human
1: to voice truth. I was just thinking about something. So you remember, okay, this is further down the line. Mm After I had gotten pregnant with Hattie mm-hmm. and I was looking for this um, naturopathic, whole you know, holistic, oh. Naji Ramba, <laughs> and I hate to say like but I was just going down the route. I wanted to have as most natural birthing process as possible. Yeah. So remember I went to that one women's health clinic mm-hmm. and I'm in there waiting and they're getting ready to do an exam on me. Mm-hmm. And I fill out all the paperwork and I was getting ready to do my first pelvic exam and mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting on the waiting table, draws off, ready. gown on, ready. getting ready to ready. hike them up. Ready. Right, ready. ready, let's go. So we're waiting and the doctor comes in mm-hmm. and she was a woman of color, mm-hmm. Hispanic lady. And um, she came in and we're talking. And so she, they specialized in doing um, water births Mm -hmm. at this place. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do a water birth. Yeah. And so she basically tells me, Well, Mrs. Sweet, um, I don't think you would be a good fit. You're going to be a high risk pregnancy. And they worked at a
0: smaller hospital.
1: They worked at a smaller hospital here Mm -hmm. in the valley. We won't, you know, make mention of that. But she says, you know, I just feel you're gonna be a high risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. You are over a certain age, you are a black woman, Mm -hmm. you are overweight, Mm -hmm. and I just think you're high risk for Mm -hmm. what we are trying to do here. I looked at her and I said, well, you haven't even examined me yet. No medical record. No blood drawn. No vitals. I don't even think I had... I had given them the pee because they have to do the pee sample Mm -hmm. to confirm pregnancy. I had given her pee, but she hadn't even looked inside of me, touched Mm -hmm. me, nothing. All Mm -hmm. she saw was me and started giving me all of these, how she felt I was high risk. I said, so if you feel... That no, she said, Well, we, we can continue. Oh, on. yeah, she said, But I can go ahead and check you today, but I don't think you'll be able to have a water birth and do all this natural stuff you're trying to do. So I told her, I said, Well, ain't no need of doing no exam today. What you checking I before? said, If you feel I'm overweight, black, and over a certain age to be classified as high risk, then we have nothing to discuss here. And I said it just like that. And I said, and Desi, hand me my panties. Yep. And I put my panties on <laughs> and we <laughs> left. And she goes, So you don't want an examination today? I said, No. You just told me that you couldn't mess with me. You couldn't, you couldn't be my doctor. So why know, am I gonna let you and check I me? I know
0: that we are I know that we're talking very heavy on the racial discrimination that takes place. But I want to let you know that doctors will discriminate because of age mm-hmm. and weight. Weight. So uh-huh. be prepared and know who you are working with and know who you are Mm -hmm. assisting
1: and make sure that people are treating you with
0: respect.
1: And stand for what you believe in. Mm -hmm. If you feel that at any time you are not getting the services that you need, it may be disappointing, but there are other providers out there for you. Mm -hmm. And we did run into some great providers. You know, Dr. Johnson was one. Um, our midwife, she was really cool, Nancy, um, yeah. through St. Joseph's. She was really cool yeah. um, in helping us. And she was really excited. I almost, almost kind of ran from her because, man, we first met with her and we're getting, talking all this language. She was like, are you guys in the medical profession? Mm-hmm. And we were like, no, we had just done our research. Mm-hmm. And so when I stood up, she was happy that I was tall. She was like, oh, because your feet, you're going to dilate well. And, all. and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ha!
2: Ha! <laughs> I was like, hold up.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. I um, was like looking you up and down, like, yeah, like she was. I don't know, she's but it was weird,
0: draft
2: you. Oh. right? <laughs> the shape
1: of your hips, right? But you know, we have all those things, right? Because we think that's another stereotype, right? You got yeah. those childbearing hips, yeah. or we assume that as African Americans or women of color, we populate easily. Yeah. We just, you know, we have babies like rabbits, we're just populating, and that is. Um, um, a stereotype because we don't do that Um, women actually women of color we have higher rates of infertility in comparison to our white counterparts you know Um, I was looking at this site because you know I'm always bringing in other resources so on women's health, they did an article back in October of 2018, and it says, why are so many black women suffering through infertility and silence? And it's a really good article. I um, definitely encourage you to read read it. It says 8% of black women between ages 25 to 44 seek medical help um, to get pregnant and compared to 15% of white women. And then they list out here some obstacles as it relates to why women of color, you know, um, don't seek professional help for infertility. And so the stereotypes of black women don't have fertility issues, is persistent and harmful, you know, just to assume that, that we have that. And it was also going here to say that women who said they're uncomfortable talking about their to their doctor because they are not concerned about their fertility. So women feeling that doctors don't care about them. 30.4% of black women reported that in comparison to 21.7 white women. And stating that. And then, of course, women of color aren't talking about it to their friends in regard to their fertility issues. And we even had that episode, Don't Tell Nobody, um, that in Caucasian circles, it tends to be higher mm-hmm. of communication of what's mm-hmm. going on. Even before you get pregnant, people give you a forewarning that you could experience this. As I expressed, I didn't have that forewarning. It was that, uh, you know, oh, girl, y'all are going to have babies. It's going to be great. But it says women who've talked to their friends about fertility, 54.8% of white women do that in comparison to 37.3% african american um, women. And women who talk to their families about it, only 453 which I thought was kind of high, in comparison to 51.1% of white women who talk to their families about it. And it's just looking at breaking the silence of that. And that's what you know. this podcast overall is, is to normalize sure. the conversation. Now, these are just some very few statistics right. on um, fertility health and just talking to providers and family and friends about it. And the research for that is starting to be known and trying to make some progression, but the research is very scarce in that. And this is just for women of color. So m- men of color, the research is even more slim on how you all process infertility right, and how you express it. I ain't answering your question there. Uh, why? You don't send me no <laughs> question. I ain't answering that question there, Desi. <laughs> be part that. of it, but you can be part of the solution. Mm. No, but yeah. So we're talking about love. This so we're getting back on. You better find this podcast. Hey. You hey, want to feel my solution?
0: Hey. You better find, you be beyond hey. conception. <laughs> you better find the podcast.
1: But talking about um, conception, um, even looking at the inconceivable. So, the inconceivable is defined as not capable of being imagined or grasped mentally and unbelievable. And so, everything that's happened this week, you know, has been inconceivable. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with a situation that is beyond your grasp mentally and just processing that you can't imagine? Like, this is really happening. You would think in 2020, like, we're above this, right? We have progressed so much. But the reality is, is that we've had some strides and and it's not minimizing the work that was done before us, but we still have a ways to go.
2: Yeah.
1: And so even as you're looking at your infertility journey and where you have come, you know, you may think that you're not having any upward mobility, any progression, but look at what you have achieved and try to celebrate those achievements.
0: And let me tell you this. In a spirit of doing what you can to honor those who have gone before us, our ancestors, do not patronize, allow a doctor to bill your insurance, no matter whether you got the Cadillac of insurances or whether you're dealing with some sort of governmental insurance. At the end of the day, that doctor is getting a check.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Use your power. Mm -hmm. to determine what doctor is going to treat you like a human Mm -hmm. and allow you to be yourself. If they are not creating conditions for you to be comfortable, that is not for you to walk away from this entire process and just say, forget it, but continue to do your research And advocate for yourself. That's right. Ask questions that need to be answered. Mm -hmm. And if that doctor is not answering your questions, if that office is not willing to give you an appointment when you need to get an appointment, if they are not willing to examine you when you're feeling in your gut that you need to be examined because nobody knows your body better than you. Yeah then you need to find you another doctor. That is power that you have. Mm -hmm. That is something that you can control. And so if we want to drive change on our level, we do what is in our reach and what is the low-hanging fruit for us to do to drive change. That's right. We went the other day off the the subject during this whole pandemic uh, season. We went to get a plant
2: simple plant
0: to put on our patio Uh
2: uh-huh
0: we wanted to support local we wanted to support someone in our community we wanted to support small business so we went to a smaller nursery that was in our area that i had drove by 100 times yeah all the time um and so i said we're gonna stop here originally we had thought let's go to home depot let's go to walmart nah let's do this we're really not letting our daughter go to any big establishments. Mm-hmm. We wanted to go somewhere small, local. This place checked a lot of boxes for us. Right. As we pull up, we saw two white gentlemen having a conversation right at the gate, right at the entrance. One of them was a customer. The other was an employee. As we're walking up, six foot social distance, fine. They finished up the conversation. We had masks
1: on. Yeah,
0: we had masks on. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the customer left mm-hmm. and the employee walked away into the abyss of the garden to this day. To this moment, we don't know where he went.
1: He disappeared. We walked around
0: that nursery alone.
1: And mind you, it's already 110 in Phoenix. It was
0: 113 that day. Yeah, it's hot. We walked around that nursery alone. For the sake of this conversation, let's say we walked around that nursery for nine minutes. Yeah. And nobody said anything to us. Mm -hmm. I loaded up my family and said, let's go. Somebody Mm -hmm. else can get this plant money because we have the power to do something.
1: Our dollar matters. It matters. And you, if you, people will treat you how you allow them. Mm -hmm. And so when you set up a standard for yourself to say, you will not treat me in this manner. Mm -hmm. I you, you have the right to do that that's why I told that doctor I said you know I've been doing everything you said and I've been allowing certain treatments to happen mm-hmm. now I put my foot down mm-hmm. and I'm not allowing this to happen anymore mm-hmm. and you have that same power and right. so we went to another it wasn't like a Home Depot or nothing every, it was another bigger size nursery every pill
0: you take yeah every surgery you allow mm-hmm. every uh, conversation every conversation diagnosis, you, that belongs to you own it own your process toward conception Mm -hmm. you own that don't let anybody have that don't lend that over to anybody that belongs to you Mm -hmm. and your partner to walk through this as a journey yeah and you do that to where you feel comfortable
1: yeah you do and because at the end of the day it's about you all it's about your sanity your body your health and your wellness And like I always said, you are the best prescriber of your health. One thing that I've learned through this journey over the years is that I've become more intuitive concerning my body. Mm -hmm. And I have been pretty accurate in that regard because I know me. I'm with me all day, every day. I know what I feel, I know what I see, I know what I do and where I go. And so sometimes you have to remind people that, yes, you may have went to school with that, that's why I'm here, I respect your education Mm -hmm. and your expertise, your skill set on this, however, You know, I'm not an experiment. And I know sometimes in our community, we have those fears that doctors are experimenting on us. Mm -hmm. And that's why some people don't go to the doctor, but we have to use wisdom Mm -hmm. and stand up for yourself and don't allow people to guinea pig you. And I'm
0: gonna speak from a father perspective. There are times when the male father voice during this process is gonna be louder than the female voice. It is our responsibility to be that extension of the heart of our wife and partner. I said that to say this, it was my wife telling me how she felt even toward the latter phases of her pregnancy with Hattie that allowed me to advocate.
2: Uh And
0: that is the reason why I feel our daughter is alive today. Yes, We were in, perinatal we were under observation Mm -hmm. we knew my wife knew that something was just not right Mm -hmm. and so we were getting ready to be released because this is the the second or third time we had been in OB triage
1: yeah and I was seven months at the time
0: and so we were getting ready to be released to send home my wife's blood pressure was going up up and down we were dealing with the the potential preeclampsia and so Right before we're getting ready to release, my wife says, I just don't feel like something is right. I'm, I'm just nervous. I told the doctor, I told the nurse, I said, I would like to hear my baby's heartbeat one more time. And in that is when we saw that the heartbeat was severely irregular.
1: And love is just love.
0: And there were Brady's, those of you Mm -hmm. who know the medical term, where the heartbeat just stopped. Mm -hmm. And then it would come back. That moment of advocacy determined that my wife never left the hospital at that point until my daughter was born. Mm -hmm. So we have to advocate in order for this process to work. Now, I'm going to let my wife share this mm. because she knows more about it than I do. But didn't uh, Serena Williams recently have conversation about yeah. the treatment that she received? Oh, you my know, gosh. this is someone who you're watching on TV. This is someone who is very
1: physically yeah. fit. This is someone who Serena is Serena Williams, known a champion. all over the like, world. A champion. Everybody knows Serena Williams. Yeah. So she had her daughter... Olympian about two years ago I want to say now but she was talking I watched her documentary on um, HBO I want to say of her birthing process Mm -hmm. and she was talking about how after she had her daughter through an emergency c-section like I had she was in recovery she started feeling this pain Mm -hmm. and she was telling the doctors and according to the pain that she was feeling she knew it was a blood clot and they were getting ready to release her to go home too. And she demanded, they were trying to minimize her feelings and saying, you're fine, you're okay, nothing is wrong with you. You're just recovering from a C-section, right? Because in your abdomen, you have, you know, it hurts down there after a C-section. I had one and it hurts. And so she's telling them, no, I feel X, Y, and Z. I feel these symptoms. I know it's a blood clot. I've had one. before do the test, the MRI or whatever the tests they do and I she guaranteed them they were finding blood cl- clot mm-hmm. Finally they did it mm-hmm. and sure enough it was multiple blood clots mm-hmm. and she said she almost died. Mm-hmm. They didn't believe her. And so even the situation with Hattie, it was like I told you what I was feeling was Hattie was very fluid. In my uterus I could feel her moving around but then her movement became more restrictive Mm -hmm. and so it felt like when she moved it felt like a bungee cord it felt like she was being pulled back and was very herky-jerky and Mm -hmm. almost like a struggle Mm -hmm. and I explained that to you and then I explained that to the doctors and doctors told me well you're seven months and the baby is space is starting to get limited and all that and I'm like what I'm not towards the end end of my pregnancy I'm just entering my third trimester. So it should still be enough space there because, you know, I'm thinking in my head the baby is only maybe a pound and a half or whatever the case may be. It's not, the baby still got room. Mm-hmm. As in how she's moving, it's very restricting. And so... And I'm laughing because we had got to the point to where we shared this, speaking of talking and
0: speaking <laughs> of discussing it with family, with a family member. And that family member said, if you drink a Coke, that baby will move. Right. And so at that point, like, yeah, we were Beacon drinking. Mika was Coke. drinking a Coke every night trying to make this baby move. <laughs> and I'm like, she
1: wasn't moving as I anticipated. She
0: would move a little bit. But, but it was we very. Was like, we like, this cannot be a yeah. consistent nightly thing just to feel the baby move. Yeah. We got to drink these
1: Coke. And I'm not a Coke drinker. Yeah. And I was highly uncomfortable doing this. It was yeah. Coke, it was caffeine, it was orange juice. Yeah. Just get the baby going. Yeah. And so, yeah. um. I felt and I had sought the Lord and I prayed about it because I was starting to get really concerned, especially when they admitted us into the hospital at that point. And her heartbeat kept just going down, 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 down. And so as it was going, so it was just a lot going on. And I said, something is not right. Mm -hmm. So they kept me in the hospital. They did all these ultrasound tests and checking the blood flow from the placenta to the embryonic fluid, all these sophisticated tests. And I had um, praying to God and seeking him and it was revealed to me in my spirit, I felt that the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck and causing these restrictions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I conveyed this information to the doctor. She didn't believe me. This Caucasian doctor, she didn't believe me. She actually denounced that to such a way to make me feel almost ridiculous to think that an umbilical cord can extrangulate a baby. And if that did happen, that's super rare, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm pulling up my phone by this point. I'm like, well, on Google, look at all of this talking about of birth and all that. So they had to end up doing an emergency C-section on me because her heart rate was just ridiculously low to the point to where it would cause her to die. We had to bring a heart monitor home. Yeah, and so when they cut me open, they found that the cord was wrapped around her twice and it was so tight that the doctor struggled to get it off. And I'm laying there on the table saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. And Daddy
0: couldn't cry until the umbilical court and not, yeah unwrap her
1: her and so she and that caused her preterm labor she was born 10 weeks early because of that and um yeah she didn't cry she just gave out when the court got off she said ah like mm-hmm. that literally and it was almost like my baby was saying woo, thank god mm-hmm. you know annoying her personality now that's exactly what she did
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so the reality is is that you have to let your voice demand it Command it. Just say no. This is happening. I'm not leaving. I. You need to do this. You need to do that. It's your body, and go forth with that. Talk to your partner. Communicate that. Communicate that to the doctors. Demand it. Go to another one. It can be frustrating, but sometimes you have to do those things for the safety and wellness of your mental, physical, and emotional, spiritual self. Yep. You know,
0: own your own your journey. Own your plan. Own your process you may be in a vulnerable vulnerable position as you are questing your way through this process of infertility however in your vulnerability know that you have power do not give all of your power to Mm -hmm. any medical professional this is your journey Mm -hmm. the person that needs the power is god
2: Mm -hmm. and when you
0: give that power to god He will give you discernment. He will give you intuition. Mm -hmm. He will give you what to say, when to say, how to say it and then you become your greatest advocate for yourself. Yes. Know that you deserve to be in any doctor's office that you sit in. That's right. Know that if the money is not coming out of your account that that doctor is still being paid mm-hmm. and your insurance is something that comes from your benefits and that is still something you have power over. Trust me, I've seen some insurance checks. You have the power over it. The doctor does not have the power. You have the power.
1: And I want to say something too, because we were fortunate to have um, some insurance cover things Mm -hmm. and we saved and just either, you know, God blessing us to have the money to do certain things Mm -hmm. for treatment because it gets very expensive. Mm -hmm. And we do know that part of the disparities in fertility treatment is the economic factor. that Everybody doesn't have the resources. Not all states have insurance that covers infertility treatment so even if you're not going to the most expensive doctor wherever you're at financially and getting your services you still have the right to be there don't let no one make you feel inferior um because you don't have the financial resources to pay for something or you know to have that service that treatment take this particular medications because the medications are So you have the right to be there. Sure. So don't let nobody make you feel inferior to what your financial experience is. If you have to put payments on it, put payments on it. We mm-hmm. have to do payment arrangements, and some fertility um, clinics allow you to do that, whether if you want to finance it. Now, we weren't putting no credit on it, then that's just us. We didn't feel like putting an interest rate on it. But if mm-hmm. you want to do that, that's your business. And that's you. Don't let nobody make you feel otherwise. But see if you can make payment arrangements or do what you can at your level if you don't have the means to seek a doctor right now. Start doing your research and try to find out who is more financially accommodating for you. And there are some tests that them doctors
0: try to run in office that can be farmed out to some of these testing agencies. And the insurance will cover the testing agency, but the doctor's office wants to do it. It costs more, Mm. more out of pocket for you. Be your advocate. Yeah. Do your research. Yeah. Know is this test even needed? Mm-hmm. Let the doctor explain to you why yes. this test is so needed. Yes. And Ask. how will the result of this test mm-hmm. change your infertility process or change your quest to conception?
1: Right. So advocate for yourself. The reality is, is that you belong there. This is your body. This is your family that you're trying to create and don't allow other people to um, make you feel less than, um, it's been a tough week. Yes. Um, this is hard to digest the inconceivable, Yes. but we know that with God, all things are possible. What yes. seems impossible for man is possible for God. Yes. And I know I had to pray this week and ask God to help me just with love and seeking him that, you know, I don't have hatred or anything in my heart um, with everything going on because God is love. And we want you all to know that, you know, we're here as a support. Um, The advice that we give, we aren't medical providers. Um, We are just two people having a raw conversation about our infertility journey, hoping to inspire faith, hope, and love, and give you doses of laughter. Well, Desmond, I don't think we got to the full love segment that we wanted to talk about and talking about, because we'll save that for another episode. I think that it was just good for us to talk about this today. But, um, I want everybody to know out there that I love you. I love you too. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate the man that you are, the husband that you are, the father that you are. And just, you know, even before being the father, you've always been such a dope dude. Just a cool, awesome dude. I don't Think i know anyone who hates you and if they do they have a problem because you oh you know a couple of people okay well i'm sure you do because no one's perfect but i love you you're a stand-up guy and i'm praying for all of my brothers out there i'm praying for god's protection um with you that he be with you and he is for you And I'm praying, even on this podcast, and I'm praying for you and your journey Mm -hmm. and your family um, to come, or even if you come to terms with not continuing your fertility journey and just residing in the fact that maybe parenthood isn't the thing for you. I'm still praying for you and your peace and your resolution in that, that we know that if God be for you, nobody can be against you. So stay encouraged, everyone.
0: Yeah. And whether uh, whether, as you were saying, a baby is in your future or whether a baby is not in your future, we can live and rest in the word that lets us know that our ladder will be definitely greater than what we are experiencing right now. So Mm -hmm. hang in there. Mm -hmm. We love you all. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it yeah shout out to italy we've got
1: a couple people (laughs) yeah from italy listening
0: listening in italy yeah shout out to italy we'll be
1: there soon yeah (laughs) soon as some of this lifts i know we're trying to plan some travel so again don't forget to subscribe and to rate and make a comment below also you can follow us on instagram at b b e underscore conception and if you want to email us any questions, we would like to hear from you. So yes. please email us, and we'll be looking at any topics that you want us to address.
0: We'll leave you anonymous.
1: We'll leave you anonymous because that's your business. As um, what's her name, Tabitha Brown says on Instagram, you, no know, you know, you're looking at me like, who is she? Yeah, you gotta Google her. She's a really dope lady. Okay. But anyway, um, email us at b conception b e conception fourteen at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you so have a good week until we meet again god bless you love you guys